Hey, Photo Nation, before we get into today's podcast, I just want to alert you to a current sale that's happening on Landscape Photography University courses. Those courses are designed to take you from getting your camera out of the bag all the way to starting your own photography business. Now, in this podcast episode, we're going to be talking with photographer Eric Bennett on how he actually made a photography book, the benefits of that, and some extra discussion around photography books in a digital age. If that sparks your interest and you're like, hmm, I'd love to print my own work. I'd love to make a photo book. I'd love to start a side gig with my photography. Then go to lpubusiness.com and get your hands on hundreds of dollars in savings on the business course from Landscape Photography University called 30 Day Photography Business. It's a course designed to help you create a profitable photography business without getting overwhelmed by where to find clients and how to sell. We'll go through all that in the course in the 30 day process. Again, you can get a free training on that and everything that you'll find in the course at lpubusiness.com. Dot com. But for now, let's get to today's episode. We're here with Eric Bennett, and not often do we get somebody as respected as Eric who comes on the podcast and gets to talk to us about photography. So Eric, first of all, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast yet again, your second appearance on the show. Yeah, thanks a lot for inviting me. And that was kind of an overstatement, but thank you. Now, why? Why? Why is that an overstatement? Um, I don't know. I think you're just talking me up a little bit. <laughs> Maybe I am just to get like a little bit more interesting, like introspective into what we're going to talk about. Definitely going to get into your new book, Space Stillness Silence. Um, but first, you were on um, a couple of years ago after you released your first book called Conversations with Nature. Uh, a little bit on this side, actually I have it on my shelf back here. Um I'm curious how you think you've progressed as a photographer in the last two years. Um, that's a big question. Uh, I think, I think a lot changed mostly because uh, I had my first son. So Clyde was born in 2021, which was like the year that I ended up putting out conversations with nature. I finished making that book like late 2019, but then it took a long time to get it printed and uh, finish everything and be shipping it out to people. So um, I think just after you have kids, you change so much as a person and that has definitely influenced my photography, the way that I approach it and just all the ways that I go about it now. I'm sure you can uh, understand as well, because I think your daughter is like, what, a couple months older than my son, Clyde? Yeah, I think they're just a couple months off. Yeah. He was born February 2021. Okay. She was born September, August of 2020. Okay. Yeah. So uh, like six months older. But um, yeah, I think uh, I don't know if I can directly explain, but I'm sure like you, you just feel different. Like when you go out and stuff like I prioritize my time more. It's not like I try to force things, but I just feel like I'm naturally more prolific, more productive with my time while I'm out. Um, I try to take advantage of it a bit more, uh, like immerse myself as much as possible. And because uh, I just don't go out as often anymore because I want to spend as much time as I can at home. But I do still need to constantly create new images, uh, not only from like a business standpoint, but just to uh, help myself stay balanced and fulfill that 
need that I have as a person. Yeah, that's totally important. And I was actually uh, talking with my therapist not too long ago about this exact topic of, you know, being one place versus the other. And um, I kind of shared this idea that I had with her when I was in the field. And I was like, I'm so scatterbrained sometimes and also feel a little bit guilty for going out a lot and, and taking photos and kind of missing out on uh, not only moments, but also like the day-to-day -day getting ready, you know, being there for support. Um, and I kind of shared in, instead of having that take away from that time in the field, I'm just going to be like a hundred percent here now. So I can be a hundred percent there later. Um, you may as well, she, because like, if you're there, you know, it's not like you're going to drive home in the middle of the night or something, but, uh, yeah, like worrying or feeling guilty, like it doesn't really help. So you may as well be like as productive as possible in every way that you can, like just enjoy it as much as you can. Cause yeah, like you say, if you don't, when you come back home, your head is going to kind of be like out in nature still, or when you're in nature, your head's going to be like at home still. And that's never good. Cause that's going to dilute your experience and what you can get out of it. So what has your experience been in the last two years? Is that kind of the approach that you've taken? It's just like a natural thing that's happened. Like once you have a child, there's like this switch that goes off in your brain, just biologically, like chemically or whatever. You just automatically change as soon as you see them and you hold them in your arms for the first time. Um, so again, like it's hard to put my finger on how things have changed, but I've just noticed like I make more images now while I'm out in the field than I used to. So there's some part of me that's just more focused uh, because it's like, Hey, you can't be out here for a month. You only have a week or a few days at a time. So again, it's not like I'm trying to be prolific or like trying to take more photos. It's just something that I've noticed like that has happened automatically, but also just with more time as a photographer, I feel like you become more focused. You're able to concentrate on things more. Like you found your voice um, and you're able to like understand like what you resonate with most in the landscape and kind of avoid messing around with other things that uh, you're not really into just because you're trying to like make a photograph out of it. I feel like now I have like a lot more direction and uh, yeah, it's like a bit more of a central focus of my work than I had before. I feel like my stuff was kind of a little more scattered and now like, especially with this new book, it's a bit more concentrated on like specific ideas uh, instead of being as broad. That brings up a great point. I don't want to put words into your mouth. I'd love to, to kind of, riff off this and and hear your thoughts on it as well but you know for me having a kid has made me way more comfortable like in my own skin and being more confident and and what i want to do I, I i don't know if it's it's tied to actually like raising a human being and being responsible for that um, you don't really have the luxury to like focus on yourself so much and like sure. really think about yourself you know like most of your concentration and energy is directed towards someone else. And so in a lot of ways that can be positive because you're not like hyper analyzing everything that you do and you can like flow better because you're not getting in your own way. That's true. That's very true. I think for me, it's just kind of like what you alluded to. It makes me feel um, way more confident and not messing with, you know, stuff that, that I don't really want to do for the longest time. Um, I kind of, I think tried to force myself into photographing more small scenes because that's the way things were kind of trending and, and what a lot of the photographers that I saw doing. 
and it didn't really resonate with me too much. Um, so I just went back to like grand landscapes and started shooting that. And, and I'm actually way happier doing that too. Yeah, it's awesome. At the end of the day, you should be photographing things that you care about because if you don't care deeply about them personally yourself, there's really no reason to expect anybody else to. So I don't do really you think, know what you'd be getting done if you, if you aren't doing that. On that too, do you think it, it ties you more closely to like life experiences and relating those to your photos? Um, <clears throat> again, like I'm just very intuitive when I photograph. So I'm not like, I'm never thinking like, oh, I'm feeling this way right now. So I'm going to go find things that mirror that. Uh, right. I just, I just photograph things that excite me or that move me or that I find meaningful in the moment. Sometimes those are things that do mirror, um, like naturally without like thinking about it, what I'm feeling on the inside or what am I experiencing in the moment or how my life is at the moment. Or sometimes they contrast with it because like maybe if your life is pretty chaotic, you're going to be like gravitating towards simplicity. Or if your life like is, is, is great and everything is, um, exactly how you want it to be you might be gravitating towards the chaos because like more alluring and you're more willing to to play around with it but um uh yeah is that was that your question yeah pretty much i think so and, and i i want to get into the book more i'm sure you've been asked this but but i'm curious why why those three words is the title what's the significance of titling something space stillness silence so after I finished my first book, I was just making photographs and uh, with the pandemic and everything, I just naturally started focusing more on the landscape that I consider to be my backyard, which is the Utah and Colorado Plateau, because most places that I go, uh, like Zion, Capitol Reef, Escalante, uh, those main regions, um, they're just like a three to five hour drive from my house. So I can go for like three or four days at a time, super easily. They're really accessible for me. And I also started just building a deeper relationship with them. So that's just where I wanted to be photographing. That's like, those were the kinds of landscapes that were just calling me constantly. And so this portfolio just naturally started to develop of unreleased work that I had. And then as I was looking through those images, I started noticing uh, certain themes and things. And around the same time, like because it was like we were in lockdown and stuff for a couple of years, I was starting to appreciate certain facets of nature more than I had before. So like, I think as photographers, we're always really focused on what things look like. Like that's, that's the main thing that we, we do when we're out taking photographs, we're just showing what things look like. And it's all about visual aesthetics and everything. But in the actual experiences that I was having, having out in nature, apart from just the photography and photographing things, um, what started becoming way more important to me was how I felt, how, how the places made me feel after being uh, stuck at home or stuck inside for so long. And also not having like a whole lot of space at my house, not having like a huge backyard or having much space between my neighbors and things like that. Cause we just live in the suburbs in the Utah Valley. And as I appreciated those things more and more, I realized like how scarce they're becoming today and how important it is to uh, share, you know, why those kinds of places where we can find space, stillness and silence are, um, you know, what, what they serve us as humans and, and, and how important it is to preserve those non things. So a lot of times we're concerned about like preserving the trees in a forest or uh, the landscape 
protecting it from mining or fracking or harmful industries like that, or, uh, you know, designating a certain place because it's really beautiful. But I feel like in terms of conservation, like the space and the stillness and silence aren't very considered. And a lot of times by turning a place into a national park or something and increasing the infrastructure and building bridges and making it more accessible, those things are actually destroyed. So even though we preserve the aesthetic beauty, those three things that I feel are the most important aspect of our experience in these places and what help cultivate inner space, inner stillness and inner silence, which are also so important in order for us to maintain our sanity and everything and live a, an enjoyable life. They're, they're not really being considered as much as they, they should be. So my whole point with the book was to express the importance of those non things, which I feel are, um, you can find them in any kind of landscape. Like when I go backpacking in the mountains, a lot of times I'll find a lot of openness and, and some quiet and some calmness. But, uh, I feel like the desert is like the quintessential embodiment of those ideas. So that's what I decided to focus on. So it was just kind of like these two things that came together, like what I was naturally, the places I was naturally photographing anyways, just based on my interests. And then also these ideas that I started having while I was experiencing those places that just kind of came together and created this book. If anybody like would be interested in creating their own book, would you recommend it? If you want to do it, then yes. Um, like if you want to make a book, not like, oh, I want to make a book that is going to sell this many copies or any kind of ulterior motive. Um, but if you just want to make a book to see your images in a book, I think absolutely you should. It's a very rewarding experience. How so? Go ahead and take a sip of water. I'll wait. <clears throat> well, it forces you to... Um, figure out your thoughts and like why you're doing photography, come up with like a theme and just be a bit more focused and everything. Now, the idea for this book came along like after I had already made the majority of the images. So the idea came afterwards and was like a way to organize the images and present them in a certain way. And also gave me like more insight into how I should curate the book, which images I should include, which ones I should exclude. But these 99% of the images were already taken before I came up with the concept. So I'm not saying like you should come up with a concept and then go out and hunt for certain kinds of photographs that are going to like fortify that concept. I'm not saying that's a bad approach, but that's not what I've done at all. And that's not, not something I would ever do, I don't think, because that's just not the way I like to approach photography. I never want to like force myself or... Uh, be super goal oriented. I'd rather just like work with what's going on and try to be in tune with nature as much as possible and just follow that. And uh, yeah, just photograph things that naturally interest me. But making a book, you know, it like forces you to create a curated body of work. Um, it forces you to think like more long term. So instead of like shooting images and just sharing them right away, maybe I'll hold on to them. Like for this book, I wanted almost entirely. Uh, brand new images. So, you know, hanging on to your work can be very beneficial, especially if you've never done anything like that before. Um, I think it allows for better curation as well, because certain images just don't age well. And so you'll decide not to include them. Maybe they were exciting initially, but after a few months or a year or so, they don't seem as sound as they were. Or like maybe you represented that same idea better in another photograph that you made later on. Um. I also think like the main point of books is having writing in there as well. And that forces you to 
expound upon your ideas that are represented in your photographs and articulate your thoughts a bit more, which I think is also helpful um, because it just helps you figure out like what you're trying to do and uh, forces you to, to be able to explain it to yourself a little better because a lot of like intuitive things, we have a hard time putting them into words, but then once you like reflect on them enough to be able to put them into words, you actually understand them better yourself as well. What were some of your techniques when it comes to the writing part? And, and maybe this helps you relate to your photography a little bit more and be more uh, mindful about like revisiting that photo as you're writing about it. Uh, what were some of the techniques that you used to actually write the essays that are included in the book? So I was really careful about like not starting any of the writing until I had all of the photographs that I felt necessary because mm -hmm. I didn't want to write these essays beforehand or like in the middle of the process and then have any of the images be influenced by what I wrote. Like I didn't want to write an essay and then be like, okay, it'd be great if I had like this kind of image or this certain scene or like this place to help like, um, to, um, like reinforce what I wrote in the essay or to like tie in better with my words. So I wanted to do all of the photography first. And then once I had all of those sections complete, I just wrote down what came to mind while looking through those images. And so the writing um, complements the photography rather than like trying to make photography that complements the writing. And so I had lots of ideas and things floating around in my mind, but I was really careful to never really put them down on paper or turn them into sentences and paragraphs until the photographs were done. Because at the end of the day, like the photography is really the most important part of this. The writing is also important because I was able to explain things that I don't think are super clear in the photographs. So it's like a complimenting thing, you know, like uh, the, the medium of photography can express certain things that the medium of writing cannot, but then also vice versa, the medium medium of writing can help to express and explain things clearer than photography can or in different ways. So, um, but I just really wanted the writing to complement the photographs rather than the other way around. So that's, that's kind of another like trap that you could fall into if you kind of do it in a different order, but also I don't think it's a bad thing. It just depends on how you want to approach photography. Would you consider yourself a good writer? No. I, it's so difficult for me. And, uh, when it came time, when I was like, okay, I've got the images, I'm going to write these essays. I was just like, uh, my mind was just blank. Everything was scrambled and I was just banging my head against the wall for weeks. And then finally, like out of nowhere, it just came to me. And I think I wrote it all down in a couple of weeks. And then I did some extensive editing. Um, what do you think then, that spark was? uh just giving my brain time to process things like my subconscious you know just while you're sleeping or while you're doing other stuff and i just really i can't really i don't i wouldn't say i'm a good writer because i can't just sit down and write something whenever i want um with photography i can go out and like i usually find something pretty effortlessly so like it's not something I have to try to do or like force, but, but writing, it's like, I can't just be like, okay, I'm going to sit down and write today. It just happens or it doesn't. And I've learned to just like not try and force it. And when things do come and writing is flowing really easily, that's when I do it and I'll stick with it and give myself plenty of time. I won't interrupt myself or try to do anything else that day or anything. But um, it's definitely something I'd like to get better at because a lot of times I have ideas or things that I want to write about. 
and it's just weird like i just can't put it down on paper for some reason sometimes you know they call it writer's block but um i think a lot of that i think a lot of writer's block is just like you're expecting it to be like really good or you're judging it too harshly before you even put it down so something i've learned that has helped me is to just start writing just just write it and don't judge it at all because that's how i am with photography too like i'm very liberal in the field like i just shoot stuff i don't judge whether it's good or not i'll do that later on uh on my computer when i select where i'm going to edit and stuff i'll be more conservative but um with writing i think it's like when you're writing something you're like oh this isn't turning out good like you can judge it really early on but what you should just do is just like get it out however it comes out some days will be better than others and then later on just edit the writing and that's where you can really refine stuff and like choose better adjectives and um add some more creative uh, descriptions and things like that um but it's just the the hardest thing is just like getting your thoughts onto paper but just do it however it comes out and then later on you can fix it with as much time as you want i think photography can definitely inspire the writing side of it right like obviously you can look at a photo and remember back to that moment how is writing inspired your photography if at all I don't know if it has. I haven't thought about that because uh, I feel like I'm probably a photographer first or writer second. But at the end of the day, like my main genre is just nature. Like I would consider myself a naturalist before anything. Photography and writing are just things that I do that are like fruits of my experience in nature. They're not the motive. Um, so I think. I don't know. Right. Writing is definitely really important. Like I think a lot of people should do it even if you're not going to publish what you write. Um, I mean, it's helped me become like a better teacher in terms of photography, like teaching people things because I've had to articulate them myself and put them into words that can be understood. And so that helps me explain things in a more concise way. Uh, and I mean, that probably helps me like reinforces my understanding of different concepts and things because I've had to explain them in clear ways. So yeah, it helps you understand it better yourself. But um I don't know if I've really thought about that as much as I should. It's a good question. I think, you know, if, if I think back to like writing, I didn't discover photography until later on in my life. Um, and I remember back to one of the courses that I took in college was creative writing. Um, and, you know, we were forced to come up with these concepts. And now I kind of, it, it, it does help me write about photos sometimes when I, when I do need to do that. Um, but I also think that that process has helped me become a better photographer, being able to pay more attention to, uh, all my senses when I'm out taking photos, instead of just focusing on how things look right. Just lose using our eyes. Um, I feel like it's, it's helped me notice sounds, smells, tastes, all those things. Yeah, because at the end of the day, when looking at a photograph, the most important thing is how the photograph makes you feel. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you're like choosing subjects and things, it should be based on how those subjects make you feel personally as a photographer. And uh, yeah, if you're if you're more conscious of those things, instead of just what things look like, you're more likely to transmit those things in your photographs as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I in, in, in an attempt to make this, like, I, I just hear a lot of people say, you know, um, when they want to get serious about their photography, they're like, I want to sell prints. Um, <laughs> excuse me, I want to have my own gallery. 
uh, I want to make a photo book. When you were it's writing, really easy and, to like get ahead of yourself and oh yeah, definitely, absolutely. And it's it's I think it's good to have those goals, but I also think it's it's it needs to be real. You need to be realistic about like how much work it actually takes. Like how how long did it take you to to create this book in total? I mean, the oldest image in the book is from 2018. And then the newest image was from like January 2023 this year. So, um, you know, you could say five years of photography, but it's not like five years ago I set out to make this book. It's something that just formed naturally. And I felt the best way to present this body of work that I had just created out of my genuine fascination that I had for this certain place and these ideas like the best presentation would be to to put it out in a printed book, you know, because uh, it's a pretty large body of work. It was too big for like one gallery and I didn't really want to split it up. I wanted these ideas to be presented together uh, with the essays too, because it's really important that you read the essay before you see the images. That way you can interpret it in a certain way. You know, I can kind of, um, uh guide the the reader more directly you know towards those ideas that i want and have them come to the same conclusion or or understand that message as clear as possible that i'm trying to convey sure what what i'm getting at though is like with that that idea of a goal in mind um you initially wrote your first book a couple years ago and Mm -hmm. got it out into production what were some of the mistakes that you made through the first book uh, conversations with nature that you were able to correct, fine tune and streamline for the second book? Well, the biggest mistake I made was like the printer I chose, but I won't get into that because sure. you know it just didn't turn out right. Then I had to hire another printer eventually. And that became a huge debacle, which was like a nightmare for several years. Other than that, like, you know, things that are more on my end, uh, the way that I approach the book. I don't know if there are like any mistakes. Um, Something that I just wanted to do differently with this book was I just wanted to have like a tighter theme. Uh, Hmm. So my first book, Conversations with Nature, again, that wasn't a book that I came up with. And then I set out to create the photographs for and go to all these different places all around the world. It was more just like looking at my portfolio. I was like, wow, I could actually turn this into a book. And then I wrote essays and then I turned it into a book. And so I, I, I thought like, it'd be cool to make a second book, but that is more focused. So instead of being like all these different environments from all different places all over the world, focus on like one smaller geographical area that means a lot to me and try you know going a bit deeper instead of having such a broad body of work having it be a lot more tightly themed so like a lot of the same subject matter just shown in different ways and yeah just trying to represent like a few ideas instead of just like nature as a whole like uh dive in a bit deeper to a few ideas that are important to me about nature um and so that was a really cool experience i'm not saying that's what i'm going to do with every book from now on but i think it's nice to try different things and explore a bit creatively and um you know kind of have different challenges or or things for yourself just instead of being like redundant or formulaic and doing the same thing over and over again so there are more books coming 
Yeah. But like what I'm saying is like my first book, it was successful. It sold out really quickly uh, in right. less than two years. I could have just been like, oh, since that was that did so great, I should do another one with sure. uh, images from Iceland and Patagonia and New Zealand and this and that. But instead, I was like, I'm going to try something completely different. And uh, that's kind of the danger of success. You know, like it can cause you to get stuck in a rut and just doing the same thing, which if you're trying to please others, like if you're just doing the same thing, they're going to get bored and you're not going to please them. And uh, maybe if you do something else, they'll be disappointed because that's not what they're expecting. But I'd rather have them be disappointed in me for like doing something that is uh, unique and creative and trying to go out of my comfort zone rather than like for being redundant and just uh, boring them to death. So you got to you got to do what you want to do at the end of the day. I think creating a book is something it's an interesting topic uh, with so many things going digital. Um, how do you think, or I guess, that, let me put it this way. What is the allure of like actually holding a photo book? I mean, you've printed your work before, right? Like how, yeah, how does and, it make you feel when you finally see one of your images printed for the first time? It makes me feel really good. I, like I pulling that like cardboard if you order a print like a big print pulling that cardboard off the front and seeing it and then if it's like a um like a metallic print or an acrylic print pulling that sheet of plastic off the cover like there's really no better feeling and and uh, of accomplishment when you kind of see that big and you can actually tangibly hold it right yeah for me like once you print an image that's when it becomes real it becomes tangible and the process has been completed. So like the process started when you pointed your camera at that subject or scene. And then that process ends once you print it and you turn it into like a physical thing. Like you've, you've manifested this thing into existence, into a physical form. And it just started out with an idea floating around in your head, you know, like, or out in the ether, however you want to see it. Um, and so a book is just a collection of prints that is affordable. It's like 60 or $80 instead of, I don't know how much 120 like eight by 12 prints would cost, but um, it's a way to get printed work out in front of people for a much affordable price, uh, both on your end and their end. So um, to me, like that's the main thing. It's just like the best way to present your work uh, other than like an exhibition. But even at an exhibition, you can't have like 124 photographs that, that would take up way too much space unless they were tiny. So it's just a really unique medium and I hope that people continue to do it because I really don't think there's a replacement. Like seeing an ebook is nowhere near the same experience. And I've made an ebook because it was just the right choice for that particular book that I did. I didn't feel like I needed to print it. Um, and that, you know, it'd be like more accessible if it was an ebook, more people would be able to see it. But, um, you know, these other two books that I printed, I just felt like they needed to be books. There wasn't really any other, other way to present them in a, in a better form. Are you comfortable talking about cost of production? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say like, how, but... yeah, like how much does it cost to like, let's say like a run of like a hundred bucks. I have no idea. Cause I mean, that would be like astronomical because obviously we, when it comes to like production, the well, put, more, yeah, units... put, put it in, put it in your case then. So like the bigger the order, the better uh price margin you have on each unit so like if you have 500 books um 
So prices have gone up substantially. Like my new book is all the same material, same size, same amount of same amount of pages as my last book because that just worked really well. And I thought I would just go with it. So they would look nice together on a bookshelf, like fit nicely together. Um, I think that's also something important to consider. Like if you're going to make more than one book, how do you want them to uh, play out together over time so that they kind of tie in together? Or do you want them to be different and be like, like stand on their own? But anyways, this is like a book series that I'm doing. So two three years later after printing my first book this book costs like twice as much and so i would say on average if you're printing like 500 books it costs about anywhere between fifteen thousand to twenty thousand dollars and so one of those books will cost you like 27 bucks probably uh and then if you print a thousand it'll cost, you know, maybe like another $5,000. Like the price doesn't go up that much more to double the quantity. And then each book will cost you like $21 or 20 bucks. And then if you go to like, you know, 1250 or 1500, like you can do incre increments of like 250 pretty much uh, with most printers, I bet. It's not that much more money to print more books, but obviously you can like make a lot more income. Um, so maybe it costs like $2,000 to print like an extra 250 books. But an extra 250 books can make you like an extra $80,000 depending on how much you're you're selling it or no, sorry, like an extra $20,000 depending on how much you're selling it for. So like those are all things that you need to consider. But um, yeah, the smaller the run, like the worse margin you're going to have. But then also the bigger the run, like the scarier it is because you got to put down more money and then you're on the hook to sell more copies as well. Yeah, it's definitely. Do you view it as... I think the mindset has to be really interesting with that and, and people have to be careful because so many people tell me, you know, I want to make a, a book of my photos and then they see that cost or they hear that cost and they're like, you know, hands off. I don't, I don't even want to touch that right now. Um, but I think if, if you're actually going to sell it and you have the ambition to sell it and, and the, the cause to, not saying that that's the reason that you make the book. Um, you kind of have to view it as more of an investment than anything. Yeah, I think for sure. <clears throat> I think with anything, uh, the reason behind doing it should just be for the sake of doing it. Like you want to make a book because you want to make a book, not because right. you're hoping for a certain amount of profit. Because that's just going to set you up for disappointment. Like it's never going to play out the way you think. And uh, I just feel like having like no expectations for anything that is external that you can't control at the end of the day is the healthiest thing to do and do something. So like what I love is like uh, one of my favorite authors, Seth Godin, you probably read some of his books, yeah. does like great books on marketing and uh, creativity and just like producing creative work and stuff. Um, one of my favorite things that he said is instead of thinking like if money wasn't an issue, like what would you do? Or like, if you could do anything, what would you do? Think about what would you do? Even if you knew for certain it was going to fail. Mm -hmm. So like, would you make a book even if you knew you weren't going to sell any copies? Um, in my case, yes, I would, because I just want to see this thing in physical form. Like that's, that's the most important thing to me. That's what I'm most anxious about. It's not like, Oh my God, am I gonna be able to sell this? Or like, is this going to work out financially? I just want to hold this thing in my hands and just feel like, okay, I did it. I finished this idea I had is in physical form now. And if people resonate with it, that's amazing. That's something that like makes me happy and it's gratifying. 
but it doesn't determine whether or not this was worth it in the end. Right. That's like a very personal thing that I have just doing it is worth it to me and not giving up and, and finishing it and seeing it come to fruition. That's the most important part of it for me. Everything else is just like a bonus. Like it's appreciated and it's, it's gratifying and I enjoy it. it makes me happy. It helps me out because if it's financially successful, I can focus more on creating my art and it gives me more freedom instead of having to, you know, do other things or, or, or work in a different career or job to make ends meet. You know, I can dedicate myself full time to this uh, as long as people are supporting me financially. So like, that's really great. But at the end of the day, like, even if those things didn't happen, I would still be doing this. And that's that I think that's the most important thing to be honest with yourself about. Even then, even though we're in like this age of digital um, and, and even getting into like AI stuff and how that's made its big presence in not only day to day life, but also photography, uh, whether good or bad, whatever your views on it. Do you think we're kind of in this revival period of physical, tangible objects? I think there are just certain things that you'll never replace. Like you'll never replace live music, no matter how great recording um, capabilities become, you know, like how great it can sound on state-of-the-art speakers with state-of-the-art microphones. You're still going to love hearing music live. Concerts will always be a thing. Um, I enjoy reading books more than I do listening to audiobooks or you know, reading an ebook, even though it can be more convenient. I just like holding a paper book in my hands. It, it kind of promotes a certain kind of experience. Like it has to be experienced in a certain way. Like in a way it's like limiting, like you can't read it while you're driving. You can't read it while you're in the shower or doing other, other things. Like you got to sit down and look at it and hold it in your hands. And like also research has shown that like just being able to touch a book and stuff like that affects your retention and, um, just certain aspects of the experience like yeah you're more likely to remember things um you're more likely to focus on it and concentrate better things like that and so a physical photography book is something that i just feel like will never get replaced no matter how you know it's it's, it's virtually free to make an ebook but it's not the same experience it's it's completely different because you're looking at a screen you can get pop-ups you can get text messages while you're looking at it there are lots of potential distractions whereas a book especially if it's like a good size, it's hefty. It's just going to encourage you to sit down and spend uninterrupted, undivided time with it that you're not as likely to do looking on social media or any kind of digital format. So I think it's just the, you know, the experience that it provides. I don't think that's really replaceable. Maybe something will come along that's like better that doesn't exist yet. So we just have no idea what that could be. But um, yeah, for now, I think it's going to stick around. So I definitely encourage people to at least consider it. Uh, your son, ha was he out there for any of these experiences that you have in the book? He wasn't. I didn't take him camping for the first time until a couple months ago. So huh. my book was already in print and stuff by then. Has he seen the book? Well, ac actually, sorry. He he did come on some trips where we like stayed in hotels. So not okay. camping, but yeah, yeah, like he came to Zion with uh, my two other daughters and my wife and I made some photographs that trip. So um, has he seen it? No, cause it's not done yet, but um, uh, yeah, I haven't shown him the proofs or anything. So I don't want him to mess them up. Like he just like <laughs> it or something. <laughs> you can get a little aggressive sometimes.
Sure, sure. Have you, what, what was that like? I mean, I know you recently took him camping, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what was that like for you? It was an incredible experience. I always knew that he would really enjoy it because he wants to go outside every single day and he never wants to come back inside. And I've taken him on lots of hikes. He, he always wants to go, never wants to go home just wants to be out there as much as possible. So I was like, camping would just be like a dream come true for him. Like waking up outside, being outside all day, going to sleep and you're still outside. And that's how it is for me too. Like I completely understand him. Um, I just have more obligations. So I don't have that expectation for myself, but um, he loved it. He just got like super filthy, had a great time. Of course there were like a few breakdowns. Cause like, it's hard to like have them take a nap in the middle of the day when you're camping, you just don't have that kind of setup. And so, it's hard to put him down to bed early. So like you staying up late and stuff, getting tired, but um, it was really special for me. And it was something that it exceeded. Like I, I, it was something that I'd been dreaming about for a long time, but it's even better than I thought it could be. So I'm really excited to take him some more once it warms up again, like next spring, next summer. Cause uh, my wife gets a little nervous when it's cold at night and stuff. Sure. Naturally, naturally. Yeah. Which is more difficult creating a book and going through that process or raising a child. Raising a child is more difficult than anything in life. So, which is more rewarding? I'll tell you. That. Oh, of course. I mean, I gotta <laughs> say, my kids. I mean, it is true. But um, you know, making a book is a lot like giving birth to a child. Though my wife always says that, like, you know, these books are your children, and like when you're in the process of like printing them and making them, you know, like that's like the gestation, like that's like the pregnancy, and like. You know, a lot of times, like you, you experience this with your, when your wife was pregnant, I'm sure like towards the end, they just kind of get like antsy. Like they just want to get the baby out and they're just done. And it can feel like that with a book. Like you get really impatient in those last few months and it gets like really stressful. And that's like when you worry the most and like you start kind of freaking out and you start to have like little delays and things and it doesn't come like when you thought it would. And even though it's not super like significant, it just like really occupies your mental space and it's really difficult to focus on anything else until this project comes to fruition and it's done and you're shipping it out to people. So it's like, it just kind of gets in the way of everything else. So it can be like a very draining and taxing long-term project to do. You should know that when you set out to do this, like there's so many more things that you're not even able to consider in the beginning that are going to come up, uh, setbacks, challenges, things you just, don't even think about and every book is going to be different so like even though i've made two now i'm sure on my third one i'm going to run into things that i never even thought of that i didn't run into with these and uh so yeah i think it is like pretty similar to having kids but once it's done it's done you don't have to like continue to raise it like a child is sure. a work in progress for their entire life yeah yeah um and i was gonna say how you were talking about creating the book and going through that whole process and how we were talking about creating prints too. Um, I was going to say it, it's almost like your kids because you have the idea. You're like, maybe I want to have kids. And then you go through the whole process of getting ready, preparing, learning how to, you know, how to actually do this. And then they get there and all that learning kind of goes out the window because you kind of have to learn on the fly but then when it, it kind of like we said, when you hold that tangible thing for the first time, what you were saying there just overlapped. It related perfectly well. Yeah, it's a very powerful and emotional and moving experience. Like 
there, there's something about a book that like when you finish it it's just like nothing else when you finally hold it in your hands and you can just take a deep breath and you realize you're done and you can finally like look through it as you've always wanted to and enjoy it and it's kind of like seeing the images for the first time again it kind of renews that excitement you had for them because like an image you made like three four years ago the excitement you have for it initially um you know that just fades naturally and uh so sometimes you can get like by the time you finish making your book you can be really tired of the words and the images and the whole idea and you can even start to question yourself like oh my gosh was this all a waste of time like i don't even enjoy this anymore but you gotta like um i forget who it was but they said like the hardest part about being like a creative or an artist is like when you have an idea like holding on to it not getting sidetracked and starting other things until it comes to fruition like holding on to it for dear life and so when you go into making a project you need to be really determined and really believe in yourself like that it's a good idea because there's going to be a lot of times where you doubt yourself uh, just naturally like financial situations or different things, different pressures can make you second guess, guess yourself. And you have to have like that, that initial decision that's like really firm to be able to fall back on and push through those moments where you feel very uncertain and everything. So um, yeah, I think I forgot your question, but you pretty much answered it. You got it. <laughs> How did you go about selecting who was going to write the foreword for this one? Because William Neal did your last one. How, what was the process like? And what was their response? I know it was David. So, well, so David wrote the introduction. Okay. So for the last two books, I've had a foreword and an introduction. So William Neal wrote the foreword for Conversations with Nature and Alex Noriega, a good friend of mine, wrote the introduction. For this book, um, I always knew that I wanted David to write the introduction. He's been a longtime mentor to me, a really good friend. Um, he's given me lots of advice, not only in photography, but on being a dad, being married, being a husband. Um, he's just been a really supportive friend, like on every level to me. And he's been photographing this same area for longer than I have. So I knew he had a special relationship and would be able to contribute something meaningful to this book since he's experienced these places firsthand and understands what I'm trying to say as well. When it came to choosing somebody to write the foreword, I wanted to find somebody that also, you know, that would, that would like understand what I'm trying to say with the book and, you know, possibly feel those things on an even deeper level than I have, which was pretty tough. And I was trying to think of like other photographers uh, that have been around for a while, you know, William Neal, he's like, he's a legend. So I wanted someone like that to write the forward for each of my books, you know, somebody that's been at least engaging with nature for a long time, a lot longer than I have. And than most people, and like, I mean, it's a huge honor for them to contribute to my book, but I also think it's a humble way to honor these guys as well, you know, like continue to, Cause like a lot of new photographers might not know about William Neal or Charles Kramer or Christopher Burkett, you know, like these amazing photographers that have been doing this for 40, 50 years. And so it's really cool to come out with new projects that feature those guys. That way they can continue to be discovered and be recognized for their amazing skill and understanding and relationship that they have with the subject matter that they photograph. And so I, I, I kind of realized like maybe that wasn't going to be a photographer, this one. For, for this book, but um, 
I just started thinking about people in general that have like a deep relationship with the Colorado plateau that have explored it extensively. And one of my favorite authors, um, that has written many books about this area is Craig Childs. I also love like Edward Abbey, David Roberts. Unfortunately, both of those no longer are alive today. So they weren't people that I could ask or like Elliot Porter. Um, I wanted to ask David Munch, but um, even though he's still alive, like he's not doing so great right now. So he wasn't able to. Um, so then like Craig Childs was kind of like the best choice that I could come up with. And he's, one of my favorite authors, like I said, I've read almost all of his books. And so it took me a while to get in touch with him. So that kind of delayed the book for several months after I was already finished with it. And so that started like kind of make me impatient, like trying to get in touch with him. And then he was really busy. So it took him a while to write it. But the silver lining of that, you know, is maybe like a five month setback. I actually was able to revisit the book and make substantial changes to the essays uh, mm -hmm. that I hadn't before, because I just kind of had this free time. Like there was no longer like a deadline or anything. So I was just like reading through it and then naturally making changes to make it better and make the writing a bit more creative and expressive and a little bit more poetic. And, uh, so that, I think that was really good. And, you know, some people say like everything happens for a reason. Um, it was nice that I, that I was able to make those changes. I'm, I'm much happier with how the book turned out because of them. And then he was really cool about it. Uh, we've become friends now. He wrote an amazing forward. And so it was totally worth waiting for him as well. And uh, yeah, I felt really honored that such a legend and uh, like, um, you know, he, he just has such an impressive body of work from this place, even though he's not a photographer. Uh, he understands it and sees it in ways that we do as well and has just as deep, if not more of an appreciation for it than we do. So. I feel like it was really appropriate. And what's cool is like, you know, he's, he's a very um, prestigious writer. Uh, a lot of people know about him, but surprisingly, like when I announced my book, a lot of people were like, who's Craig Childs? Who, who is he? Like, I've never read any, you know, he's, and I was like, he's an author. And they're like, Oh, I've never read any of his books. And now like all my friends are reading his books now. So it's cool to kind of like reintroduce him or like um, introduce him to people in a different field that didn't know about him before. So it's a huge honor for me, but I think it's also cool to like, uh, yeah, like involve these legends in our work as a uh, younger people to keep them, you know, help, help them stay relevant because they totally deserve it. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. One of the things that I want to do from this point on with photography guests on here is do a segment called repeat after me. So I say the statement, you repeat after it, and then you finish the statement. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so repeat after me. Benefits of creating a photo book are? Benefits of creating a photo book are um, you learn to articulate your ideas more. You can hone in on things more, be more specific, uh, dive deeper into a certain theme, um, learn to curate your work better be a bit more objective with the quality of your work. Um, yeah. Uh, and just, I don't know if it turns out great. It feels awesome. Okay. Repeat after me in a digital age, photographers should. In a digital age, photographers should continue to print their work because 
it's a huge, it, you're going to learn a lot from it and it's going to help you become a better photographer. And it's also just very fulfilling. So I think everybody should be experiencing that. Repeat after me. Photographers can help preserve these places that I, that I wrote about in the book. How? Photographers can help uh, preserve these places that I photographed in the book by you know, a, a expressing more than just what places look like and how they feel because you're going to impact people on a deeper level. Photographing things that you, that really resonate with you, that really speak to you on a personal level and not just photograph what is trendy or what is going to help you gain like social currency or anything like that because you're going to impact people more and you're going to share the importance that you feel for these things through your photographs, you're going to transmit that. And that's going to help people also find them to be important because if it's just like sterile imagery, no one's going to feel anything when they look at it and you're not going to be changing their mind or uh, influencing them to change their behavior in any way. So, you know, I think if your love, if you photograph things you love, that love is going to come through in your photographs and it's going to cause people to love those same things and care about those places and things. Repeat after me. My next photo book will be. My next photo book will be another photo book. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get you. I tried to get you there. So he's Eric Bennett. Eric, thank you for coming on the show. Definitely pick up his previous book, Conversations with Nature. It is great. And his new book, Space, Stillness, and Silence. We'll have a link to both of those in the show notes and below in the video description. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. Thanks a lot for having me on, David. Hopefully our conversation will be beneficial for those that listen and it won't be too confusing or 